Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey everybody, we are very glad you're here. We are very glad that you kept texting and calling and emailing and saying, why haven't you had Jim Dealing on the podcast? And it's because he's such a busy guy. Fitting into his schedule is really tough, but he's here. Yes, he is. James, how are you, brother? Uh, well, and I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. I have really looked forward to this for a huge reason. One is we have a lot of conversations, you and I. Mm -hmm. We're close to being office mates. And so we can step out in the hallway and I enjoy every conversation that we've had. And this is today, we're opening it up to eavesdroppers to hear what we talk about. And, and it's great being next to you in the office because anytime there's some kind of God encounter or something like that, I get somebody to share it with who appreciates God encounters right oh, there. Oh boy, that's yeah. the truth. That whole thing about iron sharpens iron. There are so many people that we get to serve with that raise up a kind of a spiritual jealousy mm. in me uh, in a good way. Mm. Oh Lord, I want that and we want more of that. And yeah, it's thrilling, it really is. And you and I go back a few years. Do you actually remember how many years it's been? It's a little foggy for it's me. It's decades. Yeah, it really is. I think I'm actually going into my third decade of playing at Foothills and having a whole lot of fun. And I, I tell people, uh, I discovered Kevin Miller. <laughs> for better or for worse, you are to blame. Yeah, I go back to somehow ending up in your home group and being an apprentice and learning a whole bunch of stuff. And those that was an amazing season. That was so good. Well, you made it awfully easy. You came nearly fully prepared in every respect. And so I just get to sign off on your advancement in the kingdom. Boy, I'll tell you something, Jim. I know you've birthed a lot of home groups. You are the home group papa. That's the thing is that you don't understand until you get kicked out that that was your plan the entire time. Let's grow them up and kick them out. And that's exactly what you did. Oh, but I have to say, uh, slightly off topic, uh, I told everybody in the home group, look at the day has come, we're sending Kevin off to start his own home group. So if anybody here wants to go and support him for a while, go and do that. So we had 35 people in the group and the next week after you started yours, I think eight showed up to my group. <laughs> they knew I needed so much support is what the deal is. Yeah, they never came back. I think they like you more than me, that's for sure. I do not think that's the case, but I'll tell you, I remember you said, you know what, Kev, we're kind of in a season here. I don't know exactly which direction it's gonna go. Let, this is either gonna blow up, meaning that a lot of people are gonna come or it's gonna blow up and we're gonna go start something different. Remember that? Yeah. And it blew up. We had them up the stairs at the Taylor's house, sitting on the balcony, out into the kitchen. And it was just so good. And the people, I go back to the names of the people that were there and it was so cool. I remember fondly, standing together in the parking lot after home group till the wee hours, late into the night, just discussing the magnificence of God with you. Yeah, that was a good season. Now we've both become too busy with too many responsibilities to do that anymore. Yeah, and my wife, she wants me to come home. <laughs> it's a curse. <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. Let's go back even deeper. Let's go back further in history. And let's tell all these eavesdroppers that we've got here, how'd you meet the Lord? What was it like before? How'd you meet him? And Yeah. 
So I was a young, budding drug addict thug, 16 and a half years old. I took a typing class to meet cute girls and to, they couldn't kick me out. It's a good strategy, and, quite frankly. I took jazz dance. <laughs> I'm not sure you should say that in public. Anyway, this girl I sat next to and was stuck next to for four and a half months, turns out she was really cute and really unavailable and a total Jesus freak. Okay. So I would smoke lunch, come to class, and she would tell me about Jesus. And this went on for a long time. She'd invite me to church, and I respected her. You don't want to mess with people that are close to Jesus. But I did not want to go to church. Anyway, she tricked me into going one night, came and picked me up. And as I walked into the building, the church building with her, I could sense the presence of God. And it hit me. I realized God is real, which was a little bit frightening. I stood next to her at church there, and I buttoned up my jacket because I wasn't wearing a t-shirt, just leathers. And I tried to be very still so that I didn't get too noticed by God. <laughs> but I left that night thinking this really changes everything. If, there, if God is real, that means all those commandments are true and I am not living in a manner that remotely he could approve of. So this was on my mind. Several days later, she invited me to a Bible study. I went, it was for kids and I had so many questions. They just dropped the Bible study. Everybody went, wandered off except for the three adults and they spent the entire night answering my questions and talking to me. And that night I walked home and I got to the mailboxes at my parents' house. The presence of the Lord was around me. I could feel this pressure and this conviction. So I had to do something. So I told the Lord, I need you to forgive me of my sins. And I literally felt them lift off me, this weight and this darkness just lifted out of my body. And it was just, it was delightful and shocking. And then I said, well, if you're going to do that, I... Uh, I think I should live for you now. And that presence moved in. I can tell you the exact second that I was born again and the spirit of God commingled my spirit and everything changed. I got good and saved. Oh, by the way, I realized this is amazing. Everybody needs this. So I started almost immediately telling all my little drug addict buddies and gang buddies and all that kind of stuff about Jesus. And I didn't get one person saved. Um, <laughs> I ended up witnessing, I think, to hundreds of people at my high school over the next couple of years. And by the way, it was really frustrating because I couldn't get anybody saved. But what I didn't know is I was planting seeds for yeah. the future, which ended up, I got calls 10, 15 years later, guys in jail, stuff like that, people looking up my name and calling me up out of the phone book. We used to have those phone books. <laughs> Look it up, you guys. Google one, it. One fellow, I got a collect call from county jail 16 or 17 years after high school. And he said, look, I'm so-and-so. You may not remember me from high school, but I need God. And I knew that if I could get a hold of Jim mm. Dealing, I could get a hold of God. And sure enough, the next day he was getting released out of jail. I picked him up and led him to the Lord in my car as I <laughs> took him back to his house. So. Sometimes it's a long road, huh? <laughs> yeah. So the point is you never really know. These yeah. seeds, when you're telling the truth, when you're witnessing for Jesus, you never really know what the end result is going to be. One waters, one plants, but the Lord brings the increase. That's absolutely true. They left out in the original that some people fertilize. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever your responsibility is, that's the thing you should do. And that's kind of a vein that I want to 
mine a little bit because there are people who really are trying, trying, trying. They are legitimately, hey, Lord, hey, Lord. And Adam Main was on the show last year and he's going, I'm not seeing the fruit of it. Mm, right. A lot of times, especially us working at church at the altar calls, we get to see the results of their efforts, what they were doing, they're supposed to do, and the reward is just in obedience. So we can encourage people, yeah, keep doing that. 16 years later, your friends might be in jail and call you, right? <laughs> well, I really am in a privileged position working at the church because I get to see um, some of the end result of people's witnessing and telling the truth to their friends and confronting them and stuff like that. Because yeah. the day comes where the Holy Spirit just falls on them. So I've had all these encounters at the church where the receptionist calls me up and says, hey, this guy is crying in the front office. He said his car drove itself into our, his par our parking lot and he needs to see a priest right now. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So it turns out when you ask him what, what happened, he starts his story back in second grade. I went to Sunday school with a friend of mine and the teacher's eyes were so blue and I felt God, you know, that sort of thing. And there's all these different causal links in this chain that yeah. eventually lead to this moment where he gives his life to yeah. Christ. I want to go to a specific that I remember very clearly from home group when we were hanging out at home group and I was learning. So we're eating wonderful chocolate chip cookies. It was uh, refreshments afterwards and you and I are talking and somehow we hit a conversation about me working in a gym, which is where I worked for 35 years. I was always hanging around a gym. And as I recall, and you can clarify my perception of this i was getting a little bit of heat like uh, oh so you work in the gym like you're the muscle head dude or something or whatever and i was uh i was giving it back to you a little bit like jim um how many people have you gotten saved that you work with and what did you call it where you work oh i yeah well i shared my my anguish now that i work at a church because i was in construction for <laughs> 20 years so now that i work at a church I said, I, I'm living in this Christian ghetto. There's no sinners around <laughs> to lead to Jesus anymore. And you invited me. You said, let's change that. Come on. Yeah. And quite frankly, you signed up at a gym. And we'll be posting pictures of you posing in your bodybuilding poses because I am personally responsible for the magnificent fitness and strength of this man. It's true. Yes, of course. And so you ended up signing up at the gym. Now, the thing about the gym that I was working at, I stopped counting. Over a hundred people gave their lives to the Lord at this gym. It was not your typical gym. There was a little bit of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life for $19 a month, that kind of thing. But God was at work there. So you sign up at the gym not to become a magnificent specimen, you signed up so you could get in, into the mix, right? Is that true? Yeah, that was part of it. Part of my ambition was that now I'm going to be able to hang out with some sinners and do some good, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, which we really need to do. I talk to people and they go, I don't know anybody who doesn't go to my church or isn't already saved. Well, you got to get out of that intentionally. That's important. And so at the gym, some stuff happened. Yeah. First, I want to say, though, that um, I'm just minding my own business as a rule. I go into Walmart and I just want to get transmission fluid, but I'm a Christian man. So I pray, Lord, I know a lot of stuff. I'm your agent. If there's anybody in your in there in Walmart that you love and you want me to encounter them and tell them about you, bring it on. But I don't go in there thinking and looking around like, oh man, it, maybe that person, maybe that. I'm just 
getting the transmission fluid and paying for it. So in my own natural mind, I don't even really recognize people. I just have a job to do. But the Lord will occasionally arrest my attention and focus it on yeah. a person. Yeah. And so there's these seemingly almost random encounters where I'm minding my own business, but it just seems like they come into focus a little bit. Everybody yeah. else is in soft focus. Or another thing that happens is I'm walking by someone or my eye lands on someone and I just feel a twinge of God's love for him, which is not normal for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have feelings, but not that many of them. So I'm not a sentimental guy. But when I feel like a twinge of pity or love or interest, I think that's usually the Holy Spirit saying, there's something going on here, you should pursue it. And so that happens occasionally. And when it does, it can be profitable. I usually do this. Here's an example. I'm walking through the mall. I uh, look over to the right and at the food court. Yeah. There's a couple sitting there with an older woman and they have magazines all spread out and they just stood out in my eyes. I thought, oh, I think the Lord wants to do something with them. So I, I walked over towards them and as I get closer, I can feel from the Lord uh, a release, like, yes, you should be doing this. And these are all very subjective feelings and they're fairly subtle, okay? Yeah. So I walked over and this is the way I usually do it. I say, hey, hi, you guys. I'm a Christian man, and I was just walking by, and I I feel like God gave me a message for you. Would you like to hear it? So I've never had anybody say no. In this particular case I'm talking about, both of the women leaned back. The man leaned forward, and he goes, okay. And so that's when the message comes. And the message in this case was, you are in the midst of some pretty dramatic life changes. And there is a God in the heavens, and he wants to go through these changes with you as your partner, which is a funny thing to say. My natural inclination is to say, you're sinners, you need Jesus, he died on a cross for your <laughs> sins, you should repent. That would, would I, that's me. Okay. But the Lord, so I delivered that message, and the guy leans back and goes, that's so weird. And I thought, oh no, have I missed it? And he goes, we're starting a family and buying a house right now and this is our interior designer for the new house we're moving into so i was waiting for the lord to give me another part of the message and there was nothing there so i just said okay this doesn't happen every day i'd pay attention this is important and he nods and says okay and then i left <laughs> so that's the usual encounter i don't know what happened yeah okay so this situation at the gym on the other hand so i'm coming to the gym every single day and the nice girl at the counter Tasha, she always takes my card, runs it through and says, have a good workout. And I say, you too, ha ha, because she's not working out every day, 300 times a year. Anyway, this one day I'm walking by, minding my own business. And I glanced over towards her. She was surrounded by some people. And I felt this twinge of God's love, like fatherly love. Again, that's, that's alien feelings. It's not mine. I see her every day. I don't feel this way. But I realized that's the Lord's love. And I kept walking out the door thinking, Ooh, that's good. Maybe the Lord's gunning for her. I'm going to pray for her. But it didn't feel right. It felt like maybe I should go back. But I thought, I don't know how, you know. So I went and sat in my truck, God's man of faith and power. <laughs> and I started the truck to drive away, but it just didn't feel right. And I couldn't decide if it was my imagination or what. So I imagined myself driving away, and that seemed not good. And I imagined myself going back in, and that seemed good. Okay, I felt a little bit of peace about okay. it. But I wasn't sure, so I told the Lord, okay, look, if you really want me to talk to this girl, m m let her be alone. Make her be alone. So I walked back into the gym, and she was alone. 
So I walked up to her and I said, hi, I know this seems really weird. I'm a Christian man. And when I was walking out right there, I feel like God gave me a message for you. You want to hear it? And she leaned back and nodded without saying a word. And the message came to me. I said, well, Lord sees that you have a tender heart and he really likes that about you and he wants you in his family. And her expression <laughs> didn't change, but she just put her hand over her mouth and these hot little tears ran out of her eyes over her hand. And she said, you're making me cry. And I kept waiting for the rest of the message, but that was it. So I said, um, this is special and important. I would take it seriously if I were you. And she nodded and I left. Well, you know how usually you don't hear the rest of the story. Yeah. You just have this encounter. Well, in this case, four days later, the manager of the gym, who is a Christian woman, emailed me and said, this girl, Tasha, who works in the front, four days ago, she came running back after she talked with you and she was all excited. And she said, that guy, that Christian guy, Jim, he had a message from God for me. And Elaine, the manager of the gym, walked her through and led her to the Lord. Amen. And she said wow. in the email, now she's coming to the Bible study at my house. So I got to hear some of the end of the story. So cool. And what's really cool about this is I get to tell some of the background of this story too, because the Lord uses everybody in this. It's so stinking cool. So Elaine worked for me when I was running the gym and she went through some hard stuff in her life and things like that and a very tender-hearted woman. Very good at selling memberships at a gym, by the way. And I got to lead her to the Lord. You led Elaine to the Lord. I did. Years earlier. Yeah, yeah, years earlier. But what's <laughs> so cool is with Elaine, she was excited. She really got good and saved, got all shook up. So. I get a call about a week or two after I just walk with her and show her what the deal is and boom, she gives her life to Jesus. And about a week later, she calls me up from the Wendy's that used to be right there by that gym. Hmm. She goes, Kevin, I'm here with Barbie. And that really was her name. And she said, uh, and she wants to give her life to Jesus. You gotta come down here right now. I went, okay, I'll come down right now. I knew Barbie too, she's a friend of mine. She worked at the gym. And so I come down and boom, we just do the same thing. That's a little bit different with every single person. Yeah. And Barbie got good and saved. Two days later, I get a call from Elaine. She says, Kevin, I'm with Barbie and her daughter. And her daughter wants to give her life to Jesus. You got to come down. I said, no way, darling. No way. You take care of it. Yeah. yeah there's a, I got, I, I'm way too busy to be doing stuff like that. So you get to work. So she led Barbie's daughter. And I know that they're still walking with the Lord. So to know that this thing really works and we all play a part and a role, whether we see it or not, is yeah. just absolutely magnificent. And what's happened as it goes, I think Drew keeps popping into my head. He says, it's exponential, Kevin. You get saved and then people get saved and then they get other people saved. And we get to see it every, if not daily, we see it every week of people coming and crying at the altar. And it's because people listened to the Lord's prompting of, hey, take a look at this. And you could get in on this. You could be a part of this. And that prompting is probably unique to every person, but there are some common sort of nudges or promptings the Lord does with his people. Yeah. So in my case, somebody will just stand out there a little more focused. 
or I get a twinge of some alien emotion, pity or love or just interest. They just seem interesting suddenly. It's just a subtle, unusual alert, I think, from yeah. the Lord. Other people, I have a friend whose hands get warm and tingly. Mm -hmm. So he's minding his own business, buying ketchup at Walmart, and his hands start tingling. So he looks around and then his eyes will fall on somebody and that's his indication. But a lot of times it just happens naturally in conversation. You're doing something with somebody and a situation arises and you wonder, should I really jump into this? But I'd say just go ahead and do it because you never really know what the result is going to be. As we've talked about this, these are very, I mean, it sounds supernatural and all that, but it's very practical. And we were discussing earlier, Peter and John. Okay, Peter and John, this is very biblical. So they're going to the temple to pray. Peter and John went to the temple and prayed all the time. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it says it was their habit, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, right. So, so all of a sudden on this day, they're going to the temple to pray and their attention is drawn to this beggar, this man that was crippled that everybody knew and he, they, his friends would plop him down in front of the temple. How many times had they seen him before? But on this day, exactly what happened with Tasha, the other examples that you're using, their attention is drawn to him. His attention is drawn to them and he looks at them expectantly. Now he thinks he's gonna get a couple of bucks, but God has something different yeah. in mind. So it's just that collision and it's it's initiated by God. So we can't really work it up, yeah, you know? No, I wish. Uh, yeah, but you know what, how we can almost guarantee, I don't know, I'd, I'd love you to speak to this, but our obedience, is the thing that makes it a lot more likely that we're gonna have our flavor of this type of thing. If we yeah. obey, is we if we go, okay, Lord, I'm willing. Okay, Lord, what do you got? What's the deal? And you know, he wants us to know. He knows how much it blesses us to be about his business and to see his love for these people that they would yeah. do that kind of, he would invade their life that way. It's, it's, it really is enjoyable. One of the best things is to be in active cahoots with the Lord in these situations. So the problem is it's entirely at his discretion. Yeah. So you can't really work them up. But what that does is that gives you confidence that if he wants to do something, you're saying, here I am, I'm your agent, Lord, if you want to do something. And then it's his job to alert us that there's somebody in need or somebody he wants to have a truth encounter with. Yeah. I, I think that that willingness, um, that's the key. But there's even times where you're not willing and he's just going to use you anyway, which yeah. is encouraging. Yeah. Should give you some confidence. I did not want to go pray for somebody. They claimed some mean person, some mean lady was calling up. I never identified herself or left a message uh, and there was no caller ID was calling up and saying, you have a bad church, so-and-so, this lady, her son is in the hospital dying and none of you people will go pray for her. So I looked up the names and I couldn't find anybody and I just figured she had the wrong address. <laughs> she was calling the wrong person. I got like four calls and finally one day at the end of work, I thought, I'm just gonna go do it because I had the number of the room. And I figured I'll get this lady off my back and just be able to say I did it. So I drove up to the hospital, pretty frustrated, did not want to be there. So this is an unwilling guy. I was just Well, doing it. kind of, it's a mix. <laughs> yeah, I was just doing it for social pressure. So I walked into the room in ICU and sure enough, this fellow was in a coma. He'd had a, he was a young guy, had a massive aneurysm, was expected to die. But when I walked into the room, I could sense the presence of the Lord and his interest. So I prayed and I could really sense God's 
power and stuff to the extent that the next day on my day off, I, I went visit the hospital and prayed for him. Three days in a row, I went and, went and prayed for him in the ICU and just praying, Lord, heal him or help him or something. Well, the fourth day up there, he was awake and, and he was still intubated, but he could function. There was a bunch of doctors and nurses around his room and they just let me go through. And when I saw him, I could just sense the presence of the Lord. And I said, Sean, I have been praying for you. And he nods and gives me a thumbs up. So I walked over the bed and through hand motions, thumbs up and squeezing my hands and nodding, I got to lead him to the Lord, get his sins forgiven. It was beautiful. Just the presence of God was in that room. And I really believe that he did business with God and came to a saving knowledge of Christ. Two days later, when I went to visit him, he had died. So what the Lord did, I, this wow. is just extraordinary. He chose me, an, un, an unwilling victim, to, to awaken this guy out of a coma and lead him to Christ so that we'll be together in eternity. When I see Sean, I'm going to say, it's me, Jim. I don't know if he'll remember <laughs> me. So God can even use the unwilling as long as you just do it. You'll never regret obeying the Lord. You'll never regret taking a chance and taking a risk for the purposes of the Lord. Sometimes when we're having these conversations, I will ask the person's motivation. Like, why? Why do you share Jesus with others? It can put you in uncomfortable situations. It yeah. can change your plans for the day. It can cost you gas money or whatever. So why do you do it? And the thing about it is, the many of the people that I'm talking to, the why is, oh, it's incredible. I, Drew Miles, once again, in my head. Why is Drew always on my mind these days? I guess it's because we just talked we to just him. We just talked to him, yeah. Yeah, but he said, it's intoxicating. And it is. Yeah, I he mean, said, because I want to see people get saved. Yeah. Because I want to see them get saved, and it's intoxicating. Yeah. And sometimes you see the results of it, and sometimes you don't. And the Lord is so gracious to have them pop up out of the past, like your guy in the jail, uh, my guy in the bathroom. <laughs> Honestly, I'd say you generally don't know yep. the effect. 90% of the time, you have no idea whether what you're doing is really proving fruitful or not. But the trick is just do it. You, yeah. you won't regret obeying the Lord in these matters. And almost nobody gets to take somebody from sinner to getting saved, to being baptized in the Holy Spirit and tithing, tax being American <laughs> Christian. You just get a glimpse of some part of that process in their yeah. lives and you get the honor of being a part and advancing them a little bit. Yeah. The thing that you're talking about with Tasha is that there's relationship that was built. There was earning the right to be heard a little bit. So God's got people already planted in our lives. And so we need to be looking for those opportunities when the time is right. I've got a buddy that I found out a little while ago that she was Jewish, which was interesting. I just didn't know it. So I started talking to her about Jewish weddings and how magnificent they are. And you should watch The Chosen. There's this show that you're going to love. They have this Jewish wedding there. And then I found out about a week or two ago, she introduced her somebody to herself to somebody as an atheist. And I went, what? <laughs> And she said something about being an atheist to me. And we're tight. We're good friends. And I said, yeah, but you know what? That doesn't negate the fact, and I just literally got in her face. I could invade her space, that there is a God who made you and knows you and loves you with everything he's got. And she just looked, she just got, her eyes got big, and she pulled back a little ways. 
And because I've had years of relationship mm. and she knows the genuineness of my heart and I'm not just giving her a sales pitch, she heard that sincerity and I could be that much literally in her face to say that. And who knows what's gonna happen? Who knows who gets to water that yeah. and see where that comes from? But we all play our part. Again, you don't really know what's gonna happen. For years, I'd fallen away from the Lord between 20 and 30, roughly. And Mark Hoffman is married to my sister, Linda. In fact, I introduced them, right? So at family reunions and so forth, Mark's not afraid of dropping the G word anywhere. <laughs> and we would always have interesting conversations. Anyway, years later when I came to Christ, he told me his recollection was that all those years, a whole decade, Jim, you just always blew me off. But the fact is, every time I had a conversation with him, he would say something that would strike into my heart and change my perspective and make me feel convicted. And I, so my recollection is that every, almost every encounter with Mark had real effect. In fact, to the point where I avoided him sometimes. I didn't really want that conviction in my life. And his recollection is I was blowing him off for a decade. Didn't he? Didn't even know. Yeah. You don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing with your words. That's why you're a mom. Let's say you're a mom. You got four kids under five. Your entire life is spent cooking, cleaning, changing diapers, and driving them places. Well, the Lord has you there for a reason. You're in that neighborhood for a reason. Your kids go to a certain school for a reason. You interact and bump into the people that you do for a reason. Yeah. You're, you're his agent. So even though um, these opportunities don't come with a yard sign, this is an opportunity. <laughs> God's got you there for a reason. You're an yeah. agent of the Lord. And so you just look around for opportunities. Yeah. You're planted in a gym. You yeah. do your thing. I've got a buddy in prison three years led 200 people to the Lord for real. Um, that's a, that's unusual. Yeah, it is. And so. he, But you know what? We talked and you're planted there. Yeah, so what are you gonna do with it, your right. time there? So when somebody's telling me, oh, I'm in a hardened environment, a really tough environment, yeah, sure you are. A, a person that we're gonna be talking to really soon is our brother, Michael Cook. Oh yeah. Michael Cook says, Kevin, I'll come on and everything, but I'm not much of an evangelist. No, you're just fighting with a hideous cancer and you're getting people healed and saved and things are happening in the midst of this. Your life shouts Jesus so loudly where you're planted in the season that you're planted. And Michael's real. I mean, he's had some struggles where he's going, hey, come on. But it's just amazing. Where you're planted, you look for opportunities, you seize those opportunities. And the main thing that I'm getting, one of the main things is pay attention. Pay attention to what the Lord's telling you. Pay attention and stay awake. And then voila, you may have some opportunities to get in on the action. It's, it's so true. And a lot of Christians feel inadequate or ill-prepared for like talking to people about Jesus right. or sharing the truth. But the truth is they just don't understand how much they actually know. The whole right. world, the big questions of the whole world are, is there a God? What is he like? Do I have any responsibilities for him? Does he have any duties towards me? What does he care about? What's right and what's wrong? If you've been a Christian long enough to you know, dry it off from your baptism, the answers to all those questions, and you can witness to that. You can tell them, oh no, this is what God's like. Yeah. And this is what he expects from us, that sort of thing. So every Christian really has a far greater knowledge base than they think they have. They're afraid they're gonna be asked, what's the difference between Buddhism and Christianity? And they don't know, so 
I shouldn't witness. That's just a silly. Lee, in my mind, the least prepared guy I've run across was a demoniac. <laughs> and so the demoniac becomes not a demoniac anymore. And he goes, dude, I won't stay with you, Jesus. This is going to be great. And he goes, no, these 10 cities here, the Decapolis, you're in charge of it now. Go tell them what I did. Yeah. Didn't go to seminary. Come on. I, who knows? He was ill-prepared and I think well used. Even your buddies, right? Your old party buddies and all of that, they saw a change in your life. Oh, they did. And that's why they got on the phone and called you much later or somebody else when you become the guy when he was in second grade, the part of the long, long story of God pursuing people to save them. Jim, I just, what I'd really love, what I sense right now would be, would have some impact and power. Would you pray for the people that are listening who may be scared or ill-qualified or think that they've not done anything? Would you just yeah. wrap us up in prayer for these people? I think really to some extent, everybody's like that. We're not qualified and we don't have the capabilities to do the remarkable thing that God's given us to do, which is to share the eternal gospel with sinners. That's who's qualified for right. that. So it requires a willing human and the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's our confidence that God's in it. The girl who led me to the Lord and resulted in me witnessing to hundreds of other people was very poor at it. <laughs> she was unconvincing, okay? She just kept at it and the Lord used her poor efforts to dramatically change my life and get me saved. So let me pray. Right on. So Father, for everyone listening, all of our brothers and sisters, we agree together that they would understand through the power of the Holy Spirit that they are an agent of Jesus Christ, that you called them, first of all, because you love them and you want them to be with you in eternity. And second of all, you called them to be your viceroy, your ambassador to this broken and hurting world. So I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would illuminate the people that you, people in their lives that you're gunning for, the people in their lives that you want them to interact with. I pray that they would get divine appointments, that you would arrange the circumstances of their life so that what they know and the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in them will come out of them and into sinners, into people who need you. We pray that, the, that they would be so fruitful in these yes. days ahead and that the, they would be planting seeds and watering seeds long planted so that at the resurrection, they'll see the remarkable fruitfulness of the life you've given them. So help them, Lord, to be confident and courageous and to be bold and to do what it is you've called them to do. Open their eyes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, everybody, we can't encourage you any more than this. Some real practical things and just go put them to work. And remember, you are sent. Mm -hmm.